Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Everyone say pursue. Come on, everyone say pursue. Pursuit is vital. Because pursue means to run after something or to go after something until you catch it. It doesn't mean to only go after something for a little while. A pursuit is something like a police car chasing uh, someone that's uh, trying to get away. They will will go and, and get all resources necessary until that pursuit is stopped. And I want you to know in our lives, we are all pursuing something. We, we find ourselves pursuing success. We're pursuing relationships. We're pursuing uh, purpose. We're pursuing uh, financial freedom. We're all, we're, we're all running after something in life. And as we run after something, it's very easy to get distracted that as we're running after something, we end up running after the wrong thing because I want you to know that we're all chasing something. Somebody say amen. 2 Kings chapter 4, I want to share with you a powerful story. This story is found in a a chronicle of the times of Israel in its early history. And someone took time to write out one of the stories by a prophet by the name of Elijah. Or Elisha, excuse me. And Elijah was a prophet that was operating during a time where the kingdom of Israel had split. Two tribes were in the north, in the southern part called Judah. Ten tribes of the northern part were called Israel. And they had different kings that were raised up during this time that didn't always follow after God. So God raised up these men called prophets to try to get the nation to get back on a moral compass. Elijah was one of those men that would give a word that whether the king agreed with it or not, he had to speak what God gave him. And they had these schools that were called schools of prophets. And I shared something uh, last week about losing your edge. It was at the school of prophets that they had where these prophets came to learn and train to become a prophet. Now on this occasion, this prophet that was married and had kids, he ends up dying. And he left his family in a tough situation because he followed after God so greatly that he left his family in debt. Somebody say debt. Verse 1, it says this, Now one day the widow of the member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. In other words, he's been faithful. Have you ever felt like God was unfair in your life? I know I have. When my daughter passed away, I felt like God was unfair. I know when your son passed away at 18 years old, I know you felt like God was unfair and I know what you're going through right now. feels like God has been unfair. They're feeling right now like God's been unfair. Here's this mother whose husband had committed himself to God, and now she's left not only as a widow, but she's left with her two sons. And it's not just the fact that he died. She goes, you know how he feared the Lord. He, He was faithful. But now a creditor has come. And is threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Look at verse 2. Elijah responds, what can I do to help you? Elijah asks, tell me, what do you have in your house? Are you kidding me? 
I just told you my husband died. I got, I got soldiers that are about to come, court-appointed soldiers, because my husband left us in debt and because we can't pay the debt back. In those days when you couldn't pay a debt back, your, your family, your children had to go into slavery and pay back the debt with their lives. And until that time was worked off, they weren't released. And so she's scared to death at this moment. We're going to continue the story in a moment. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to notice something about this man at God. He, he's married. He has a family. His wife has probably supported him in his call and in his ministry. And he's a good family man, but he's a bad planner. He hasn't planned for... Crisis. He hasn't planned no life insurance. He's not prepared for what would happen is he given his life to God, but he hasn't prepared for what might take place and the things that are going on. And so now the family is on the hook for the choices the father made. I want to speak to every father right now. Every choice we make will affect our families. Every decision we make will affect our families. And we got to be wise to think it's not about what happens to me. It's going to be about what's going to happen to my children as well. I have to make sound financial decisions so that I don't leave a debt to the next generation to where my family, my children are having to pay my debt. I need to be careful about what I do morally because I don't want to stain the name that my dad gave me and then mess up the name for my children after that. It's very important that we protect the things that we have because what we do today will affect the next generation. Somebody say amen. And so now we find that they, because they cannot pay their their bills, so to speak, they're about to go into, to, to find themselves here, going into slavery. See, most of the times when someone passes away, they leave an inheritance. But what do you do when you're just left with debt? What do you do when those that went before you are leaving you nothing but debt, a hole? Come on, somebody. They consumed everything, and now, all of a sudden, now not only are you mourning their passing, you're having to go into your pockets to try to make things happen when they go. Listen, don't just live for yourself. Don't just consume anything, everything. Do your best to leave something to the next generation. Come on, church. Oh, don't get quiet on me. We're all trying to just get by. We're trying to get ours that we don't even worry about who's coming after us. The widow comes to the man of God in desperation because she needs help. And I, I want to challenge you this morning. She, she's at a point where she can either give up or get up. She's at a period of time where she could either give up or she's going to get up. And every one of us has been at that point in time. I don't know about you, but I've faced plenty of times in my life where I could have given up. There's been plenty of season in my life where I could have walked away. Many times in the marriage, many times in ministry, many times in my walk with God, many times in life where you've ever felt like, stop the world, I want to get off. But I'm here to tell you something, that in every period of our life, you have a choice to either get up 
or get off, or to either get up or give up, that every one of us has a choice to make in life. And my prayer is this, when you face these trying moments, that you make a decision not to give up, but you make a choice to get up. Somebody say amen. Now, now take a look at what happens here. I love, I love this statement by James J. Colbert. He was a former heavyweight champion way back in the day, and he says this, you become a champion by fighting one more round. When things are tough, you fight one more round. Rocky didn't come up with the one more round saying, this guy did right here. This guy had this, this idea of just one more round. He had lost a fight for a couple months earlier. And after he lost that earlier fight, he fought the same opponent once again. And when he got back to the corner, when his opponent got back to the corner, he had knocked down this guy down earlier. The guy says, man, this guy, you know, his cornerman is telling him, you knocked this guy down just earlier, just a couple weeks ago. You just knocked him out. He goes, this isn't the same fighter. I need you to understand and get something going in your spirit that when you come up against things that let your opponent know you're not facing the same opponent anymore. I learned from the past defeat and I'm not going down as easy this time. Somebody, come on, somebody got to catch this this morning. Now I'm going to take you somewhere. One of the things I love about this lady, she had the smartness, in other words, to understand where to go in times of trouble. And when we have trouble that comes up in our lives and we do not respond or run to God, many times it's not the trouble that's the problem, it's who we run to. We end up running to the wrong place. We run up to drugs, we run up to alcohol, we run up to, to friends, we run to old places instead of running to God when things take place. And I love the question that Elijah asked the woman when she comes. He asked her, what do you have? What do you mean, what do I have? If I had anything of value, I would already use it to pay off the debt. I wouldn't be coming to you. But Elijah asked her the question, what do you have? I want to ask you this morning, what do you have? What do you have left? After it feels like the enemy's taken everything from you, what's left in your life? When you feel like you've been stripped of everything, what do you have left? When you look at the things that you have left around you, what do you have left? I need you to hear me this morning. I want you to see what the... See, he focuses in when he asks her this question found in verse, in verse 2. He says this, What can I do to help you, Elijah asks. Tell me, what do you have in the house? And her response, I want you to notice that the starting point for Elijah wasn't what she lacked. The starting point for Elijah is what do you have left? Oh, I need you to hear me this morning because many of us are so focused in on what we don't have that we're missing out on what we have left. Come on, say it again, Pastor, that we are so focused in that I don't have enough money. I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I don't have a husband or a wife. I don't have a house. I don't have a good enough job. I'm struggling this. I'm struggling in that. And we mourn so much about what we don't have anymore that we miss out on the blessings that stand right in front of you. What do you have left? And it seems like such a crazy question for, for him to ask. It seems, I'm, I'm dying up here with this jacket, I'm sorry. It seems like such a crazy question to ask. But his starting point with her is what she has left, not what she lacks. God always starts with what's left, the remnant. Elijah, and I don't want you to check this out. 
She comes in looking for Elijah to give her a check. In other words, you know, you, you ladies know how to work things. I'm just telling you. <laughs> ladies know how to work things. The, the husbands would just go in there and say, you know, hey, man, I need some help. And you say, no, okay. But ladies won't move. I need some help. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I want you to catch. I, I, I believe this widow came in and she was like, you owe me something. Right? She came to Elijah like, you know, she went straight to the man. Now, you know my husband was faithful. Now, you know my husband was here all the time. And now he's died and we're broke and you're responsible for helping us out. There there was this demand that she put on Elijah. I believe there comes times in our lives, Joseph, that we have to put a demand on God where we have to call out to God and say, God, now you know I've been faithful. Now you know I've been faithful to you. Now I'm faced a situation and I'm believing God that you need to meet this need because you promised to supply all my needs according to your glorious riches through Christ Jesus. You You can't place a demand on God unless you know the promises of God. The promises are given so that we can put a demand on God for the promise. And when you're faithful, you have a right to place a demand on God. But when we're unfaithful, we ain't got a right to do anything. So she comes in and says, you know, you're going to help me? And he he doesn't write her a check. I know she was looking for a check from Elijah Ministries Incorporated. (laughs) And she was waiting for him to cut out a check to her. And he goes, no, I'm not giving you a check. I'm going to give you a checklist. I want you to find out what you have left. I want you to take a look at what's left in in your house. And look what her response is. What I have left is. How many of you feel like you have nothing left? Don't raise your hands. But how many inside you have your hands up, your feet up, and your heart's hands up as well? I got nothing left, Pastor. I I ain't got nothing. I I feel like I've been stripped down to nothing. Many times what we seem to have left is inadequate. That's the very thing that God's going to use to meet your need. Many times we feel like what we have left is inadequate to meet the need. And whenever I, I, I want you to recognize the threat of bondage comes in our lives when it seems like our need is greater than our ability to meet it. Have you ever noticed you get a bill in, you don't have the money to cover it? What's it produce? Stress, worry, depression. Because whenever your responsibility is greater than your ability to meet the need, all of a sudden we begin to feel like we're going into bondage. That's exactly what's going on here. There's a debt that needs to be paid and they don't have the ability to meet the need. And so slavery is a result when I'm trying to get free, but the demand on trying to to be free of something and and I'm down here, that gap between the two, I don't have the ability to close that gap. We end up in bondage in our lives. And I I want you to notice the first thing that Elijah tells her, that the first thing that she does, again, ask her, what do you have? She says, nothing at all except a flask of oil. Now, I want you to notice step one. What do we do when we feel that we have nothing left, okay? Number one, I want you to recognize this as I I get ready to close here, okay? Number one, you got to ask for help, okay? You got to ask for help. I, I, I honor this woman. Now, I don't know if she had the head shake when she walked in, but when I read that scripture, I see that she's placing a demand. I see that she is expecting Elijah to come. She's expecting an answer. And I love what happens here. She comes in. You are never going to break free in life until you ask for help. 
Until you break down and break yourself down, get rid of your pride and say, I need help. You're never going to get your breakthrough in your marriage. You're never going to get breakthrough in your finances. You're never going to break through in life until you literally just stop for a moment and say, I need help. We all need someone sometime. Even the Lone Ranger had Tano. We all need somebody. We all need someone to stand beside you. You might be a strong person, but we all need someone ever so often to be that Aaron and her that lift our hands up like they did for Moses. Every Moses needs a Joshua. Every Paul needs a Timothy. Every Jesus needs disciples. We need people around us to surround us to help us get better. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And Elijah, when they, she asked, Elijah, tell, tell, tell me what do you have in your, your house? And second thing I want you to do is I want you to take inventory. What do you have left? When you take a look at everything that you lack, stop focusing in on what you don't have and begin to focus in on what you have left. What do you have? What, what do you possess right now? Do, do, all you have, maybe you have the ability to listen. Maybe you have, the, you, you have a, a, an idea. Maybe there's a creative thing inside of you. What is it that you have left? What is it that you have left this morning inside of you? See, you need to take in inventory. The oil was present. Whenever the oil was, she says, all I have is a little oil left. She takes inventory, and all she has is a little oil. Now, oil was important in those days because oil was, a pre was present when they were anointing a priest or a king. It, 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 it had the ability to take you. Oh, this is good. It had the ability to take an average person and make them take them to another level because the oil symbolized anointing. And so it would take an average person born a pauper and turn them into a king. Had the ability to take someone born into a family and make them a priest. It had the ability to take someone from one level to another level. Because the anointing has the ability to take a drywall man and turn him into a man of God. Because the ability of the anointing has the ability to transform who we are and take us to new levels. you got to search your heart. What do you have left? Take inventory. Oil was also used to make bread. It was a staple of their lives. And that same oil that they made bread with is the same oil that they lit their lamps with. And let me tell you something. When you're running low on oil, your light begins to dim. I can tell when people are losing or running short on their oil. Heck, let me tell you. I can tell when I'm running low on oil. My daughter can tell you when I'm running low on oil. Because there, there's the same way I got an idiot light on my car that says oil's low. There's an idiot light that goes off in my life at times where my daughter's like, oh, you need to go back into prayer. <laughs> Dad, you need to get into prayer. You need to get, get, get in contact with God because all of a sudden the light grows. Is your light dim? Is it harder to worship? harder to get a hold of God? It's because when you only have a little oil left, a little of God, oil always represented the presence of God. If all, you, if all you have left right now is you take an inventory, I got nothing left, Pastor, but do you have a little God in you? Do, uh, all you have left is a little God. 
a little faith, a little faith to hold on. All I have left is God. All I have left is just a little bit of God. You got to take inventory to see. All she had left was a little oil. And I want you to recognize the, the, the good news today that no matter what you lack, the good news is, is that if you have nothing left and all you have is just a little oil, I have good news for you today. At least you have a little oil left. A little of God is better than nothing at all. A little of God can... Part the Red Sea. A little, a little of God will bring manna from heaven. A little of God, the Bible says, with a little faith, with the size of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to be moved into the sea. If all I have is a little left, then you have everything you need today. That's all you have. If all you have left is a little, that's enough. Look at verse 3. Elijah gives her a business plan here. He tells her, come on, is anyone getting anything out of this this morning? I just feel the presence of God in this place like crazy right now. I believe God's about to just set some people free, and I need you to focus in on, because uh, where we're going right now is about to do something. Now, notice verse 3. He says this. Elijah says, borrow as many empty jars. Someone say empty jars. As you can, as you can from your friends and neighbors. So there was work on her, her part. Notice, Elijah doesn't write her a check. He gives her a business plan. And many of us want God, to, we, we want to go, bonuses and blessings, rebates, promotions at work. We're, we're believing. We're asking God to bring. So we keep checking the mailbox for that check. If you haven't done nothing, don't expect anything. Because you're not going to win the lottery, all right? If you do, bless God. But not many people are going are gonna to win the lottery, Joseph. So I want you to recognize... I want you to recognize something. I want you to recognize that if we would put the business plan of God to work, you would get your breakthrough. God doesn't give us money. He gives us plans. And so notice the plan he gives to her. Borrow as many empty jars. Now, the fourth thing I want you to understand, or third thing I want you to recognize is empty vessels. What does that mean? What do you mean, Pastor Dan? Empty vessels. The man of God gave her strange instructions. I want you right now to go and borrow from all your neighbors and friends all the empty jars that you can get, any containers, barrels, whatever you can get, borrow them from them. Go out and ask them, do you have anything empty that I can take? Anything empty I can fill? Anything empty I can... So they had to go, her and her sons. Uh, excuse me, do you have any empty containers that we could use? How many doors were slammed on them? How many people said no? But yet they had to persevere and keep on asking. They had to keep on going door to door. They had to keep on knocking on doors. They had to keep on going to obey the voice of God. Listen, not everything's going to work out always perfect in your life. But you got to have this resolve not to give up and to follow the voice of God. Even when you get a couple doors slammed in your face, they went out, they gathered the empty vessels. And the key word was this, empty they had to be empty vessels. Why? Because when we're filled with other things, we don't have the capacity. Someone say capacity. We don't have the capacity for God. The people I always hear say, you know, I haven't heard the voice of God. I feel like God isn't speaking to me. I feel like, like God, I don't, hear the, I, don't hear, I don't hear God anymore. I don't feel God anymore. It's usually because we're filled with other things. Th this bottle right here, this water bottle, haven't opened it yet, so there's about a half an inch at the very top of this bottle. This bottle only has a capacity for this much more of anything. It's a principle. 
When you're filled with bitterness, anger, jealousy, sin, your past, regret, and then you come to God and say, God, fill me, God can't. What has to happen? Oh, come on, somebody. You gotta, this bottle is you. This is your life. I want you to take a look at your life right now. What are you filled with? What, what's filling your life right now that's only giving you a certain amount of area for God? If you would just pour out, you're saying, well, God's not real. I don't feel his presence. I don't see him doing what he wants to do. You expect that much of God to make that big of a difference in your life. God says, I want all of you. I want to fill every aspect of your life. I want to fill every corner of your life, not just your work life, not just your spiritual life. I want to fill your marriage. I want to fill your grandchildren. I want to fill your job. I want to fill your education. I want to be part of every aspect of your life the level that God can fill you up is a level that you pour and give up yourself to God now, now, now Omaha if you could help me as we close look at verse 4 look at the next instruction given then go into your house with your sons with who in other words go into your house with those that need the same miracle Partner with those that have that same need. And when you get them, go inside with the empty jars, and I want you to do what? What's that? Listen, the title of this message this morning is Shut the Door. Shut the Door. Get those of you that need the miracle and bring them into your circle and then shut the door on those people outside that say you're going to end up in slavery. You're going to end up in bondage. You'll never break your addiction. You'll never fix your marriage. You'll never get to a new level. You'll never be blessed. You'll never get over that loss. You'll never have a breakthrough in your life. I'm here to tell you right now, it's time to shut the door on those people that say you'll never accomplish something. She tells him this, shut the door. I want you to shut the door. I want you to go inside, and it's, it's vital that you lock those people out. Shut the door. And, and now, now at this point, this is so cool. They begin to take that little flask, and the flask of oil was usually something like this. It was usually something made out of tin, or it was made uh, maybe out of a, a little... little uh, um, glass container or something, but something small that they would pour from. And they line up all the jars. As I give you the fifth and final thing is that we got to use what we have. Well, I'll say that again, Pastor. You got, you got to use what you have. I, I don't want it. This is all I have left. I can't. I can't give this. This is, this is everything I have left. My husband's gone. My kids are about to go. You, you, want me, you want me to give this? But God, this pain is all I have left. God, this anger is all I have left. God, God, this, this feeling is all I have left. This addiction, this, this drug, this, 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 this relationship is all I have left. God, I can't give you, I can't use this. God's saying, would you just pour out what you have? And they line up all these containers and they just start, mom starts pouring. 
And all of a sudden, the first container that's bigger than the flask is filled. Mom says, hey, bring me another container. And so she starts pouring into the next one. And that one's filled. She goes, uh, well, bring me another one. And then another one's filled. And another one. And another one. One after the other, all these jars begin to get being filled with oil. And she's just, she's just like, she's just pouring oil like crazy. She's just, hey, try the sun tries it. And all of a sudden, he's flowing as well. And all the kids are, they're, they're taking a turn. Wow, look at this. This is a, And they keep on pouring oil. And these jars keep getting filled to the point where all of a sudden they get all these jars filled. The house is filled with jars, Omaha filled up and now she's looking around she goes uh, now now bring me one more and the son say mom there, there is no more all the jars are filled already they're, they're all they're all filled already we have no more jars and all of a sudden the oil stops when the last jar is filled there's no more oil it runs out see there's a principle i need you to understand this morning is that when we're filled with other things god's anointing stops flowing God won't continue to pour as long as we're filled with other things. And as long as we sit here and just receive from God, but never give what we've received, we're never going to have room for God to re-pour into us again. See, some of us come to church just to make it through the week, but God didn't design you to make it through. God designed you to make a difference. There's so much that you could give. You want more of God? Get filled up Sundays. Now, Monday through Saturday, you pour the heck out of yourself. Just wherever you go. Instead of pouring one out for the homies. You begin to pour out your life to God. Where you begin to give of yourself, that you begin to go out and you begin to meet needs. You start pouring yourself into your wife, into your children, into your grandchildren, into your family, your friends, into your co-workers. You come in and you start being the kingdom, God's total solution to man's total problem. You start bringing in and you start pouring out. Then you come back Sunday and now the oil's flowing again. But the oil stops flowing in our lives when we don't do anything, when we get filled. Listen. Pastor that, that I admire so much years ago preached the message off of the scripture and he called it the miracles in the house. Everything you need for your miracle you have already. Everything you need for your breakthroughs already in your house. Everything you need for God to supply is already there. June came by and me and June were talking about shoeboxing and the music and things that God wanted to do with them. And God just reminded me of this message as we sat. And it just it spurred it up in me to remind you that you today have everything you need for your breakthrough. Everything you need. She goes back to Elijah still not catching what to do. And she says, all, all the jars are filled. What do I do now? He goes, take the jars, sell them, pay off your debt, and then live on the rest. You imagine what she's thinking? I should have got more jars. Come on. I should have knocked on one more door. I should have taken a chance and went a little farther. I should have taken that barrel someone asked me to take, but I thought it was too big. 
I should have agreed to take that big old barrel because I could have filled that up with oil and sold it to a cut. I should have done this. And she had probably, she was thankful that her need was met, but she probably had regret for the ones that she didn't ask for. I'm here to tell you, let's stop living in regret. Let's stop looking back and wishing we would have done something and stand up today and get ourselves empty and say, God, fill me up. Let the spirit of God fill me to new measure. Stand to your feet this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.